Good evening and welcome to our Champaign City Council study session for November 23rd, 2021. I'm going to turn it over to Councilmember Pianfetti. Madam Mayor, I move to suspend the council rules to add the November 2nd regular meeting minutes to this November 23rd agenda for consideration of approval. Second. So all, the, all those in favor of suspending the rules signify by saying aye. 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 It is approved. So Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes of October 26, 2021 regular study session and November 2nd, 2021 regular meeting. Second. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. The minutes are approved. Rob. Thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity to present tonight. Um, I'm Rob Kowalski, Assistant Director of the Planning and Development Department. Uh, and with me tonight is Gabby Harple. She is a research intern in the Planning and Development Department. She's also a graduate student at the University of Illinois in the Department of Urban and Regional Planning, graduating in uh, May of 2022. And she has been uh, helping me and our department in researching accessory dwelling units and also crafting and implementing the uh, survey, uh, which she'll tell you about in a minute. So we're here tonight to present to you um, uh, accessory dwelling units. Uh, and this is couched within your existing council goal, uh, our city expands economic opportunity. Um, this is one of your adopted goals and uh, within that goal is a key strategy to support incremental development. Um, take a step back and remind everybody where this initiative comes from and what incremental development is. Incremental development is a concept that is growing in popularity uh, nationally to promote smaller scale incremental change to neighborhoods, um, allowing a slight increase in density or intensity of that neighborhood. So in concept, it allows change, but not in a way that greatly upsets the character of that neighborhood. So it promotes, for example, in residential areas, promoting additional dwelling units um, without uh, mass rezoning to allow teardowns in large apartment buildings. Uh, in a commercial context, it would promote things like corner stores or home-based businesses um, without having to um, uh, rezone large areas and promote, say, strip malls and big box stores, that kind of thing. Um, accessory dwelling units are one key tool uh, for um, incremental development and allowing incremental change in the neighborhood in a way that doesn't greatly upset the character. Uh, staff has presented to council twice on the concept of incremental development, first in November of 2020 and then again in April of 2021. Uh, in this past April, we presented to you um, five identified barriers to residential incremental development, including exclusionary zoning districts, excessive lot standards, the prohibition of accessory dwelling units, the lack of a zoning district for small apartment buildings, and residential parking standards all being barriers to um, achieving incremental development in a residential context. And at that study session, you gave us direction to uh, begin working on these three of those five points, being ADUs, uh, a new zoning district for small apartments, and residential parking standards. So we're, we're digging into that number three on the slide and presenting that to you tonight. Um, Although the term accessory dwelling unit is a bit technical, the concept has been around for hundreds of years. Uh, it's actually one of the oldest forms of housing in our country. 
But what makes it tricky is that because it's been around so long, everybody seems to has, have their own favorite term for what an ADU is. Um, so you hear um, accessory dwelling units described as such terms as granny flat, guest houses, in-law units, in-law suites, mother-in-law, uh, carriage house, and even most popular today is the term tiny home. But of course, these can all mean different things to different people. Um, so in a technical sense, really a, an accessory dwelling unit is just a second dwelling unit on a lot that is smaller, hence accessory, to the main home. Um, and uh, it could be in the form of a garage or other forms. And Gabby's going to present the, the different types of ADUs that are possible in a minute. But that's really what we're talking about. Whatever you want to call it, we're going to stick with uh, accessory dwelling unit or ADU because that is kind of the preferred term for today. But you hear some of these other terms as well. Um, ADUs were perfectly legal for many years in Champaign and elsewhere around the country. Um, and it wasn't until uh, zoning laws began to exclude them, first in the 1930s and then again much more aggressively in the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, this was the time in the mid-20th century when cities across the country significantly ramped up zoning restrictions in response to demand for suburbanization and uh, the desire to create more exclusive neighborhoods that really only contained one type of housing, the single-family detached home, which became the norm and the, uh, the desired type of housing for many uh, communities. This, this practice of single-family zoning, still very much in use today, very much alive in most communities today, obviously had the effect of excluding certain housing types from neighborhoods and therefore excluding certain people that can uh, afford to live in those neighborhoods. So in a way, it uh, made our communities more homogenous, uh, less diverse, um, and um, uh, housing became less attainable. It's better understood today that this practice has led to our neighborhoods being less diverse. Um, and so, you know, um, in Champaign in 1950 is when we first really started to latch on to the concept of single-family dwelling. We had zoning districts that were exclusive for single-family residences. And today in our current zoning ordinance, we continue to identify dwelling single-family as a principal structure. And we note that um, in the single and two-family residential zones, there's only one principal structure allowed on a lot. So accessory structures have over time um, not been allowed. But you might be asking yourself, well, I know some of these exist in Champaign. Um, how did they get allowed? Where did they come from? Um, they used to be legal, and maybe some of them in town are uh, grandfathered from many years before we started um, not allowing them. Maybe some of them are not legal <laughs> and are there, and we just haven't found them yet. Um, that's always possible with many different things, too. But one thing of interest, if you go back and look at the uh, Sanborn fire insurance maps from the early 1900s, uh, these are detailed maps that show where houses were, what their addresses were, et cetera. You can scour these maps and find um, accessory dwelling units, probably converted carriage houses, on many alleys in the city. This map here where you see the red circles, um, hard to read on the screen, but each one of those yellow boxes has a half address assigned to it. Uh, which is an indicator that it was a residence uh, for somebody at one point as an accessory dwelling unit. But over time, um, as zoning laws got more strict and um, these structures became older, more obsolete, uh, torn down, not allowed to be rebuilt, um, the number of ADUs in town has greatly diminished, and of course you can't rebuild them back again. Um, I'm, I've always 
found this one lot very interesting near the corner of Columbia and Randolph, actually on the alley, not on the corner of those two streets exactly. On the corner of those two streets is an existing single family house, which still exists. But on the back half of that lot was another house and an ADU, all uh, kind of packed together on a very small lot. Um, at some point, that house and the accessory dwelling unit were uh, raised, and the zoning ordinance rules had changed as such that um, it could not be rebuilt. Number one, because the lot was too small to start, uh, and number two, because accessory dwelling units were not allowed. So um, over time, the effect of this means that our neighborhoods became uh, less dense, uh, more homogenized, more geared towards single family, uh, and therefore um, did not promote a housing type that would become more attainable to a broader group of people. Um, I, uh, so that's an example of um, where we used to allow ADUs and we don't anymore. So tonight we're going to talk about um, potentially allowing ADUs once again and recommendations for how to regulate them. I do want to mention right here, though, before I forget that um, even if the city does allow accessory dwelling units, there are um, subdivisions in Champaign that have private covenants that would restrict them anyway. Uh, and any changes to our zoning and building codes that we would implement would not supersede necessarily those uh, private covenants for those subdivisions. Of course, those homeowners association that have such covenants are welcome to change their covenants at any time to allow them, uh, or if they currently don't address them and they don't want them, they can change them that way too. Um, but that's common for covenants. Uh, we did not do an exhaustive research uh, effort for all subdivisions yet, but many of the newer subdivisions uh, perhaps don't allow ADUs anyway. Um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Gabby, who's going to uh, uh, talk you through the different types of ADUs and then go over the survey results. Thank you. Um, ADUs can come in various forms. As you can see on the screen, there are three types that I will go over. So detached ADUs are independent from the main home, but they remain on the same lot. Attached ADUs are external from the home, but they are attached to the main structure, much like an addition. Um, and then internal ADUs are located within the existing home. They can be an attic, a basement, or any other conversion within the house. So here are some typical sizes for ADUs. A small ADU is around 400 square feet. There's little distinction between the living area and the kitchen, and they typically only have one bedroom. And then a medium ADU is slightly larger at 600 square feet. There's a little bit more distinction and more space. Typically, they do still have one bedroom. And then a large ADU um, we have down as 800 square feet. It's on the larger end. Um, but it would allow for two bedrooms and more space to move around. And I should note that these are examples of relative sizes of ADUs, but floor plans will come in many different configurations based on design. So now I'll touch on some benefits of ADUs. Um, accessory dwelling units provide attainable housing. The key to ADUs attainability is their small size. Since housing costs relate to housing size, ADUs offer more affordable housing forms in areas currently um, reserved exclusively for single-family homes. ADUs would also bring new housing into existing neighborhoods rather than on the fringe and provide more locations for residents to consider when looking for a home. ADUs also allow for multi-generational housing. Uh, today, families are looking for more affordable options for caring for loved ones beyond um, independent living facilities, which can be quite pricey. 
ADUs would provide a way for relatives to continue living near family while maintaining their independence. They would offer housing for recent college graduates who were looking to start their professional career while also maintaining their student loan debt. ADUs also add to the diversity of neighborhoods. Um, housing type dictates the type of households that can live in neighborhoods, and ADUs would offer access to neighborhoods for residents who cannot afford a down payment of a large single-family home or simply do not need an entire home on their own. Legalizing a smaller, more attainable form of housing in a single-family neighborhood will provide housing opportunities for a larger array of households. And finally, um, ADUs would allow small-scale change to neighborhoods. The scale of neighborhood change once ADUs are allowed is usually incremental and dispersed. As the experience of other communities that have legalized ADUs, professional development usually, professional developers generally do not have an economic incentive to build ADUs at a scale. So this would be done more so by individual property owners or small scale developers, which would result in a higher care, a level of care towards preserving neighborhood character. And in order to gauge public opinion on ADUs, we um, crafted a survey. The survey ran from mid-August to mid-September of this year. Prior to questions, um, respondents were given seven learning slides that went over some vocabulary and terms that were used within the survey. Following that, they were asked 10 questions, and they had the opportunity for comments and email contact if desired. Overall, we got about 1,500 responses um, 12, I'm sorry, 25% left comments and 38% uh, provided email contact for further follow-up. So overall, eight out of 10 strongly agreed or agreed with supporting ADUs. Two out of three respondents were already familiar with ADUs prior to the survey. And six out of 10 supported the regulation of ADU size and height, um, while six out of 10 also disagreed about having design requirements. Some common themes from the additional comments um, are listed on the screen. The numbers indicate how many responses uh, correlated with each theme and the additional comments. So 66 were um, interested in aging in place and independent living, 38 multi-generational housing options, 39 interest in affordable housing options, 24 were interested in preserving neighborhood character, 64 were concerned about rentals in single family neighborhoods, and finally, 29 were concerned over parking. I'll mention more on the survey, um, a little more that um, we did follow up with everybody by emails, about 530 to 550 emails to give them the uh, response from the survey, the results from the survey, and then I've been uh, contacting them several times in the last couple weeks to let them know about tonight's study session, provide them information to the, stu to the study session report, uh, and also a link to uh, a web page we've created on the city's website about incremental development and, and information on accessory dwelling units there. So um, probably a little bit more uh, public outreach than we normally do for uh, a study session like tonight, but um, we knew there was a lot of interest, so I wanted to keep people uh, in touch. Um, another um, common thing we do when we're uh, looking at proposing a change to our zoning ordinance, of course, is study what other communities do. 
Um, accessory dwelling units has really gained in popularity primarily on the West Coast in California and in Oregon. In fact, those two states have passed legislation that prohibit communities from not allowing ADUs um, as they are uh, most interested in using them as a tool for affordable housing. Um, but sometimes comparing Champaign to a community on the West Coast can feel a little bit like apples and oranges. So we found some Midwestern communities that allow ADUs, including Columbia, Missouri, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Madison, Wisconsin, Bloomington, Indiana, and we did throw a California one in there, Santa Cruz, mostly because these communities are about the size of Champaign, Champaign-Urbana. Um, um, they're also um, um, comparable in terms of, of uh, development and how they're regulated. Uh, so these were the ones we looked at. I will note we are aware of two communities in Illinois that uh, now allow ADUs. Chicago has a pilot program going for certain neighborhoods uh, where carriage houses or accessory dwelling units uh, are allowed. And then Evanston now allows ADUs as well. Um, not familiar with any downstate communities that allow ADUs. So uh, if we did allow them, we would be uh, setting a trend a bit, which uh, is not uncommon for us to do with many other initiatives um, here in Champaign. And then the couple images on the right uh, just kind of illustrate how um, many communities not only just allow ADUs, but they actually go the extra step to help their residents build them. Um, it is not an easy thing. You don't just go to Home Depot on a Saturday, get some stuff, and build an ADU on Sunday. Um, so there is a lot that goes into one, including financing and permitting and all that. So communities that really want to see them built in their community come out with, with guides and workshops and, 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 and the like to help people navigate that process. Because, again, ADUs are typically built by... Uh, either small-scale developers or local homeowners, not highly leveraged big-time uh, developers that already know how these processes work. But looking a little closer at those, um, those five communities that we did look at, we looked at these, uh, how they regulate these aspects of ADUs, how and where they're permitted, the size of them, how tall they can be, setbacks from the property lines, if they require par additional parking, occupancy, and design requirements. And without getting into the gory details of all of them, I'll just summarize. There is a chart on your, pack, uh, your um, report that provides more detail. Generally speaking, most of, the of those five communities permit ADUs by right. Uh, some of them, a couple of them uh, um, permit them with conditions, conditionally, which means they require approval. But uh, three out of the five allow them by right without having to get any special approval from a city council or anything. Um, all the communities uh, allow ADUs to be no larger than 800 square feet, um, which is the large uh, version that Gabby showed. Uh, most of them allow the height to be around 25 feet maximum. Uh, for us, that would be 10 feet shorter than what we allow uh, as a single-family house in a single-family district. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of keeps in line with keeping it smaller than the house. Uh, required setbacks, most of the communities we looked at just say you have to follow the requirements of that zoning district, no different than the house itself. Most of those communities did not require any additional parking on the lot, uh, except for what's already required for the single family home. Um, for occupancy, many limit the occupancy to two people. Um, some have some owner occupancy requirements. And then uh, as far as special design requirements, they were very minimal. Um, mostly just related to the orientation of the ADU, like it's in the backyard and it, you know, the, it can't have the front door facing, whatever. Um, none of the communities we looked at had strict design requirements as far as building materials or they have to look, you know, like a little Victorian house or anything like that. They were all pretty minimal. 
Um, interestingly, we actually have some local experience, some recent local experience with building small homes. Now, these are not ADUs because they're not on a lot with an existing home, um, but they are essentially no different than the size and, and format of an ADU. It's just they happen to be on their own lot. And there's two of them. One is at 410 West Maple Street, and the other one is um, on Alabama Avenue, which I'll show in a minute. The one on Maple Street was built by Restoration Urban Ministries. Both of these were built to serve uh, homeless needs in our community. This is on a really small lot on the, uh, on near the corner of Maple and Elm Street, about 4,424 square feet is the lot, kind of a remainder lot from the railroad tracks that goes through that area. Uh, and the dwelling size of this one is approximately 500 square feet. I think it has a, kind of a loft function, as you can tell. It's not really two-story, uh, but it's a 500-square-foot um, small home. And again, it's not an ADU because it's the only home on that lot. 509 Alabama Avenue was built by the uh, First Mennonite Church of Champaign-Urbana. Um, this is also a small lot, but not, you know, it's a little more... Um, uh, customary to the size of lots in Champaign, 5,800 square feet. And this one is smaller. The dwelling uh, is 384 square feet. So very typical of an ADU that one might build if uh, there was a main home on the lot already. I think the, the uh, House for Restoration Urban Ministries was built at a cost of about $40,000. I don't know about uh, this one, but it was built mostly with volunteer help, so it might be hard to come up with an exact cost. Um, we took a look at uh, uh, a typical size lot and typical layout of a, of a, uh, a ranch-type home in Champaign um, to run a little test to see how an ADU would fit on this lot. So in this example, this is a lot that is 7,215 square feet. So it's 65 feet wide, 111 feet deep. Um, the house is a single story at 1,645 square feet, and it's got a driveway with a parking space. Um, as it sits now, the house uh, meets the required setbacks of the zoning district, 25-foot setback in the front yard, 6-foot setbacks on the side, and a 10-foot rear yard setback. It has much more than a 10-foot, uh, obviously, but it meets those requirements. Um, digging a little deeper into the zoning requirements, um, you can see that uh, the floor area ratio, this is how much of the home fills the lot, is at 0.23. Uh, even though 0.35 is allowed. So you could have more house on this lot than what's currently there. And all the setbacks are compliant with zoning. We took the example of a small ADU of just a little over 400 square feet. And as Gabby presented, this would offer um, uh, an accessory dwelling unit that has kind of the living room kitchen combination along with a bedroom and a small bathroom. Uh, 16 by 26, uh, the size of this example ADU. If we put that on the lot, um, we find that um, the zoning doesn't change, that obviously the size of the lot doesn't change, but we've increased how much uh, floor area is on that lot. So the 1,645 square feet of the home plus the 416 square feet of the ADU takes the total floor area up to a little over 2,000 square feet, and it is still within the allowed floor area ratio of 0.35. It's still under that. And you can even place that ADU in a way that, that complies with the existing setbacks of that zoning district um, and not be too close. Of course, we could craft rules that could allow them to sit closer to the property line. We could craft rules that would allow a little bit um, uh, for the FAR to exceed a little bit if we wanted, but that works. 
We also ran the case with a 600 square foot ADU and it still came in compliance with the SF1 single family zoning district on a lot of that size. Obviously the smaller the lot, the, um, the, the tighter those numbers are gonna get. Um, our recommendations for regulating ADUs, uh, if you direct us to move forward with presenting uh, an ordinance to you in the future, uh, we would recommend um, regulating these items, the maximum size and height of an ADU, uh, the location of the ADU on the lot, primarily that it be in the back and not in the front yard and, and how it's situated back there, setbacks from the property lines, uh, we would recommend taking a closer look at the floor area ratio and the lot coverage to come up uh, with an appropriate amount of, of uh, lot that can be covered. So if you have a really, really small lot, we don't want the entire lot filled up with, with two big structures. Um, and then we recommend that uh, uh, the mac maximum occupancy of an ADU be based on our building code requirements for how many people are allowed in a dwelling. There's of course gonna be requirements for utilities, building code provisions and construction standards. Um, and I do want to talk about building code considerations a little bit um, without getting into too much detail. But um, if this was just a matter of changing the zoning uh, ordinance, um, that would be quite easy. But our, actually our higher hurdle is amending the building code requirements to um, recognize ADUs and to uh, properly regulate their construction. And so our proposal tonight is to actually do both of those things at the same time, because what we don't want to do is um, allow ADUs by zoning, but then make it impossible for anybody to build one according to the building code. Um, so um, we have been working with our building safety division in tandem to understand uh, what, is, what does it take to allow an ADU to be built under our building code. And a couple things to consider is the different types of construction of how one might build an ADU. There's currently, obviously it could be stick built as it's called in the trade. That's where you build uh, a house or an ADU or anything right on the site, pour the foundation, get the wood out in the elements, et cetera, just like a regular house. But growing in popularity is also uh, modular and manufactured construction, not just for ADUs, but for other types of buildings as well. Modular construction means that um, pieces of a structure are built in a factory and then they are assembled on the site, kind of snapped together. We actually have examples of modular construction in the community. We have a couple large apartment buildings that were built with modular construction. But for ADUs, what you will find most uh, are prefab manufactured construction. So like manu a manufactured home, which a lot of people will still say mobile home, uh, but the technology has changed a lot since the days of true mobile homes. Um, this is like prefab, so the entire structure would be built off-site uh, and then brought to, uh, factory built and then brought to the site and installed on a foundation, et cetera. Our codes are not very clear on how that's allowed and how we would actually um, uh, certify that they are compliant with our plumbing and electrical codes and all that. So this requires more investigation and a little more work on our, on our code part. But if you did a Google search, if you were looking to buy an ADU and you did a Google search, you're gonna find a lot of companies that are now selling prefab ADUs for 20, 40, $60,000, and they will bring it to you and put it on your site. That doesn't do you any good if the codes don't allow it and you can't put them there. What we are not talking about tonight is what a lot of people say when, um, when they think of tiny homes or movables or recreational vehicles. Those are not structures and they're not proposed to be permitted as accessory dwelling units. However, these are the things you see most popularized on television shows, HGTV, 
uh, the tiny home life, those kinds of things. Um, these, are, these are basically mobile, and this isn't what we're talking about, although some communities, such as Portland, Oregon, uh, recently started allowing recreational vehicles to be dwelling units. We're not ready to go that far yet, uh, but just want to be clear for the viewing audience that this isn't what we're talking about with accessory dwelling units necessarily. So just kind of wrapping up building code considerations. Um, um, our current building codes do not provide clear regulation for detached ADUs. Doing an internal or an attached ADU is essentially like turning your house into a duplex or adding onto your house. We're, we're well suited for that, but the detached one is where um, we don't have guidance yet. We do use the international building code, but we also keep local amendments um, where we have the ability, kind of like home rule, if you will, we have the ability to adopt our own um, building code rules for Champaign that are unique to us, but also continue to use the international building code. So we would need to uh, pursue local amendments uh, to address ADUs. Um, we are, our code review and appeals board is currently working on updating our international building code to the 2021 code, uh, and also looking at all our local amendments. amendments. Um, and with council direction, they would uh, begin looking at ADUs first and pull that out in advance of some of the other code changes that they're looking at doing in the year 2022 and bring those forward along with our zoning amendment so they can be brought together. And uh, if we decide to allow ADUs, it's actually feasible to build one to our building code. The last thing I'll mention about um, regulations is uh, what we found with a lot of communities is that they... Um, you have to walk a really delicate, uh, fine line between um, um, wanting ADUs and uh, be careful not to over-regulate them to the point where they're really not feasible to build. Um, so you want to have proper regulations, but if you also want to encourage their construction, that needs to be a balance. It reminds me a lot of when we decided to allow for food trucks. And uh, there was initial, we wanted food trucks, but we were concerned that they might have negative impacts to uh, existing businesses. So there was ideas, well, let's not allow them here. Let's push them out to the fringe of town. And the immediate feedback I got from a lot of food truck owners was, if you do that, it will be impossible for me to operate a food truck. And then you're allowing them, but it will be impractical to have one. So we had to find that right balance of allowing them uh, in the right context. So wrapping up, our next steps would be um, to draft zoning ordinance amendments and local building code amendments to address uh, regulating the construction of ADUs. Um, a little unusual, but considering the interest in this topic, we are proposing publishing those amendments uh, at, when they are in draft form on our website and alerting those people that have been interested in this process that they're available to view and give comment on if they'd like to see them. Uh, we don't normally do that for text amendments, but I think it'd be warranted here. And then schedule city council consideration for those amendments in the first quarter of 2022 at a regular meeting. We're targeting May at this point. And so with that, uh, the direction we're seeking is to um, uh, begin working on that and bring it back to you for further consideration. Um, Gabby and I are happy to take any of your questions. Technical questions. Anybody? Councilmember Beck. Uh, my first question is just a point of clarification because I had some uh, <clears throat> inquiries from the public. Are we talking, we're talking tonight just about ADUs. We're not talking about multifamily structures at this point in time, correct? Correct. So that's an, a conversation we'll have in the future. 
Yes. Correct. Okay. So tonight's discussion is just about accessory dwelling units that would be considered attached, detached, or possible conversions with it. Right. We do intend to structure. continue to follow up on that direction from April mm -hmm. and, and come back for a discussion at a study session about the four to six unit right. apartment zoning, but we have not started working on that yet. Okay. All right. Um, so then my second, my, my, my second question then is um, actually for probably more, well, it, it could be cross-pollinated here. It's probably for uh, Dave Clark over there. Um, so I wanted to say his name so I could wake him up, just in case he's taking a nap. <laughs> uh, I'm just I glad was, he came. <laughs> I know, I'm glad he's here too. Because um, my question is about infrastructure and if you foresee any impact or what, what needs there might be related to creation of accessory dwelling units when it comes to infrastructure. I don't see anything that's going to be much different than what they are existing houses. These are, these are small units, and I don't see them having much additional impact in an already area. Um, you know, traffic is always a concern. The more traffic you cram into one particular lot, you know, uh, I don't think we're talking about, you know, installing driveways and extra driveways for all these folks. And so I don't, I don't think that there's going to be a huge impact to the public infrastructure side. Okay. I will say also we had discussions with the sanitary district uh -huh. and they do not have concerns about um, accessory dwelling units and sewer capacity. And it's not a large apartment building, for example. Uh, and they recently um, are, have revisited their policy about requiring uh, separate sewer hookups uh, where there you could possibly you know, tie into your existing sanitary line, which would save, uh, save money in the construction. Mm, and that was my follow-up question to that was if, if we would have the ability to be able to do that or if a, a separate unit a separate unit would have to have a separate line. I believe, uh, yeah, they're, they're trending that. Now I will say, you know, the sanitary district still has pretty substantial sewer hookup fees. So uh -huh. from a cost standpoint, that's still a, a consideration. Right. We continue to talk with them about that. Right, but there's no concerns in relation to the older infrastructure um, because, you know, in, I think that the, this would occur probably in older neighborhoods where there is the older sewer structure. So I didn't know if there would be considerations for that. And considering their size, I mean, this, you know, a detached ADU is really no different than some, you know, in terms of a sanitary sewer is no different mm -hmm. than somebody adding onto their house and putting another bathroom putting another on their bathroom. house. I mean, mm -hmm. those things are... Uh, permitted frequently uh, and not generally a problem for sewer sewage uh, disposal. Now, again, you know when when there's a 50-unit apartment building, that's sure. usually when we get a phone call. <laughs> sure, and we've had to make arrangements for our some of our larger buildings as well. We know that. Um, so one of the uh, one of the concerns that had been raised, and I think this is probably a more particular more to the four to six unit dwelling. Um, structures that we have yet to speak of, but have ha, is, has there in, been any consideration for the preserving of neighborhood character when it comes to ADUs? I know that you said putting these in the backyard. Is there any additional, uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, uh, programs or you know considerations that other communities have given that kind of helps to, you know, put put that into context of a neighborhood. Yeah, I think what most communities' approach has been is um, the best way to preserve that neighborhood character is to allow ADUs and to limit their size and their placement to be in the back, for example. Um, so there's less pressure to demolish existing homes, build bigger homes, build you know apartment buildings, et cetera, 
um, and if they're in the back, and I do notice that many of the communities we looked at, um, they don't want the, the front door of the ADU to be visible from the street, or if it's attached to the house, they don't want it to be a, a dominant part of the home. There are some rules on that, all in the interest of preserving neighborhood character, but really, you know, the concept of allowing ADUs is really deeply embedded in the concept of preserving the neighborhood character in the first place, right. um, because they allow somebody to um, to provide an improvement to the property that doesn't require tearing down the house. Mm -hmm. And I know that there will be, of course, consideration given to, um, you know, fire and safety issues, but I didn't know if the chief had anything in particular that he wanted to bring up about fire and safety that he's been aware of with other communities and ADUs. I have none. I'm just here to answer any questions you may have. So. Okay, thank you. Um, I don't have any specific questions for you. Uh, and then, uh, I guess, finally, um, we don't allow any, uh, you sort of answered this earlier, but we don't allow people to have, you know, mobile units at all in their yard right now, do we? I mean, is that, could people have a camper in their yard and have the kids stay in that while they're in the house kind of thing, or? Um, technically, um, I mean, you can have a camper in your yard, yeah, but technically yeah. you're not allowed to live in the camper in your yard. Permanently uh, as a right, permanent thing. Right, because it's mm -hmm. not a structure. Sure. Um, a structure being defined as something that's permanently affixed to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure that happens on occasion where people stay, you know, kids stay mm -hmm. out there, that kind of thing. And we do get calls and complaints about that sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we do not recognize a, an RV as a dwelling unit um, because a dwelling unit uh, needs to be a structure that's permanently affixed to the ground. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that's, I think that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Any other technical questions? Councilmember Gladney. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. Um, I just have a few questions and uh, if you'll entertain those. So the first one is talking about you talk about certain subdivisions uh, could have uh, covenants that would not allow ADUs, even if we were to pass them. Would any of those sub would it be possible for any of those subdivisions currently to have a covenant that would allow them, like would it, it would supersede our ban on ADUs currently and would allow them to have ADUs now if they wanted to, or, or is our ban superseding their covenants? Correct. No, that you, you you could not have a covenant that would allow them uh, and and have them be in violation of our zoning ordinance. Okay. Uh, what are the rules? And sort of asking this for the edification of the public here, but what are the rules governing uh, the number of non-related people living under the same roof? What what, what is like the the capacity, the maximum capacity of that right now? So under zoning, it's um, uh, generally for unrelated adults. Um, that doesn't have to mean for individual people, but uh, one adult could be a family, if you will. So basically four family units, but you know, that works out differently in different parts of town and campus. That's typically four individual people living together. In other areas, it could be two families, which result in more than four pe more than eight people, if you will. So four unrelated adults um, is is generally the, the rule for living in a dwelling. And now I will say there are also rules um, um, within our code about the maximum number of people you can have uh, in a size of a space. So you know mm -hmm. you can't have you know eight people living in a in a in a space that's you know five by by eight, for example, that kind of thing. 
Thank you. So do our rules currently allow for, you know, let's say you have a household and it's got a family unit um, and they have extra space in their house. Could they, uh, the rules currently allow for them to rent out like a a bedroom to somebody um, right now? Could they do that? Yes. Okay. Because I just asked that because I know some of the concerns that people raise are about like, well, this will increase renters, you know, into a neighborhood. But you could have renters right now, yeah. even on the same property as a homeowner. Exactly. It just would be under the same roof. Exactly. Right. Um, this is sort of another hypothetical example. I don't know how hypothetical it is. That's why I'm asking. So right now, in either a situation of a new construction home or, let's say, a remodeling of an older home, let's say it has a basement. Could you, do our laws currently right now allow for you to put like a secondary kitchen down there? Gray area. Um, Cause, uh, cause t- can I tell you where I'm going with this? Yeah. Could you put a secondary kitchen down there, a bathroom and a bedroom? Yeah, you, you can. Okay. And that is very common, especially in bigger homes in newer subdivisions. Um, where it becomes its own dwelling unit is if that is sealed off from the rest of the house and has its own ingress and egress and becomes a second unit. And then that would not be allowed um, unless we allowed accessory dwelling units. Um, generally speaking, a dwelling unit is defined as having a kitchen and a bathroom and its own ingress and egress. Uh, and yeah, there are, there are bigger homes where the basement is probably finished and includes a kitchen and a bath area and bedrooms as well, essentially creating another unit, but not with its own you know, entrance and exit. So if I understand correctly, uh, as far as what's allowed now, I could have a basement that's finished with its own kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, and you just get into it, you get down to the basement from just a, a point in the house, like, like yeah. in a normal basement. Correct. And my kid could be living down there, or I could have a renter living down there. And it's kind of its own self-contained unit, except there aren't any separate entrances to it from, like, outside or whatever. That would be and, the main difference between that and an accessory dwelling unit. And that's allowed now, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be allowed if I sealed it off from inside the house and made an entrance to the outside. Right. Then that would not be. Okay, interesting. Um, forgive me if this is a stupid question, but would doing this at all mean rezoning, like, a current single-family neighborhood to anything like multifamily, or does it still stay like single-family? Uh, no, no zoning changes. Uh, no, no changes of zoning districts is proposed or needed if this is allowed. Okay. Um, and just real quick, tiny houses. Um, am I understanding that the reason they would not be allowed probably like, is because they're considered mobile? Yes. So... If I wanted, let's say, you know, I wanted to bring in a, a tiny house or someone in my neighborhood wanted to bring in a tiny house as an ADU and put it in the backyard, that would not be allowed. Right. But if someone wanted to bring in a, a prefab structure of a similar size, that would be allowed because it's not considered mobile. Um, it wouldn't be allowed right now, but I mean, uh, if but, we were to pass could this. be. Yeah. I mean, the biggest consideration for something mobile versus something affixed is obviously uh, utility hookup, plumbing, electrical. I mean, those kinds of things that are, um, you know, real life safety issues for a structure. Um, typically, with the tiny homes, um, you know, you don't you don't have the kinds of plumbing 
and electrical and utility hookups that are going to be required by our code, and that frankly we we probably do don't want to be uh, too loose with either because those are really important features of a of a dwelling unit. All right, thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember Beck. So just to riff off of a question that Councilmember Gladney asked, with the it would be acceptable if someone built a unit, a bathroom and a kitchen area, and they had a bit in their basement, a bedroom, if they had still had an entrance and exit somewhere in their house to that, just that, that was just to that. Like, let's just say you had a sliding patio door that went out to your little patio area, and there still was an entrance that went up to the other part of the house, but it was kept locked that still would be legal. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, you know, these nuances and aren't, aren't well documented in every right. part of our code. Right. I think, you know, the concept of the fully finished basement to have its own kitchen and bathroom and bedrooms is relatively new phenomenon in, in really big houses that, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't seen in years past. So there's some interpretation to, to these types of things. Too. Although that's not completely true. I mean, perhaps in our community, that's new. But if you look in other areas like if you go to Chicago, places that were built in the anywhere from the 40s on, people did finish their basements yeah. and they did have, I have family members that had basements that had a kitchen and a bedroom and a bathroom and, to, and had a, an entrance that went down in the basement and one that went upstairs. That could have been that particular accessory dwelling unit if they had so desired to make it so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, so, you know, uh, and allowing ADUs could be a way to, to better memorialize, you know, what you can do and what you can't do right. as far as that. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I will mention also, you know, the phenomenon. We get permit requests all the time of people that want to convert their garages into an ADU. We've denied several permits last year of that request. Uh, and then the question comes back, well, what, what can I do that doesn't quite make it a dwelling unit? I say, well, you know, don't have a kitchen or don't have a bath. So, okay, well, I'll put the bath in, and I'm not really going to have a kitchen, but I'm going to have a little area, <laughs> you know, with a hot plate, uh, and then maybe it turns into a kitchen someday. We don't know. Um, so that's something that we wrestle with a lot, too, is, you know, when is my garage conversion officially a dwelling unit, and when is it a man cave, right? I'm sorry, I cut you off when you were asking another question. No, I'm done. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Anyone else? So I have a question, and I'm guessing that it probably it doesn't work for this because it doesn't then accessory to anything. But over the years, I've had people um, who have approached me about taking a lot and doing, you know, I'm going to say tiny homes, but not really tiny homes because they would have the the plumbing and and you know have a foundation and do multiple on one lot like like what you have um, the one that uh, restoration did the lot was too small to do more than one on a lot but something like that um, would anything we're doing here um, be translatable to that would that be allowed um, or is that a whole nother zoning code amendment because there's nothing that it's accessory to? Yeah, like if the, in the photo here, if you had, you know, seven of those exactly the same on a lot, 
um, it'd be hard to say one is accessory to another. They're all the same in size. So the, the concept of, of an ADU is that it's smaller than the main home. Um, but this inquiry has come up several times. And what we've told people is the best way to propose that is through a plan development where we could allow it um, that way. Uh, so what we're proposing with ADUs would not necessarily allow that concept to, to happen by right. But um, under current zoning, um, it is possible that we could allow that with other zoning approvals. And it might help because we're figuring out all the building code related issues for the smaller dwelling that then may translate over. Yes, and most importantly, one of the biggest building code considerations is separation of, of uh, the structures on the same lot uh, for fire code reasons. Um, so that is usually a tripping hazard for that concept also. So if we're better able to address that through accessory dwelling units, it might help those kinds of proposals in the future. Thank you. All right, we're at the point in our meeting for audience participation. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence, and please limit your comments to five minutes or less. You'll see that we have a clock for you. Is there anyone who wishes to make a comment? Hi, y'all. My name is Adani. I'm a resident of Champaign, city of Champaign. Thank you so much for having this very important study session. I believe that making ADUs as easy as possible um, to build will be a fantastic opportunity for our community. Um, and it will allow, and I'm really excited about this because it'll allow lower cost options for housing in all of our neighborhoods. So the easier that we can make it to build, the more likely that we will have opportunities for accessible housing or open housing that's available to people with various incomes. Um, that'll be a, a very easy way to diversify our neighborhoods. We know that housing costs are rising. This is something that's been brought up in terms of ARPA funding. People are talking about housing a lot. It's a really huge issue. I see ADUs, legalizing ADUs as a very straightforward way to kind of help try to chip away at that. It's a huge issue, complex issue. I think that's one very good first step to take. Um, again, people have already talked about uh, ADUs are great for adult children or aging parents. Um, in some neighborhoods, you have to be able to afford a whole house to live there, and an ADU would allow for privacy and independence without as much risk as buying or renting somewhere further away from home. ADUs would also be a great opportunity for homeowners looking for additional income streams. The important component to this is that ADUs must be easy to build. Um, if you make it so that only wealthy homeowners can build ADUs, again, this is limiting who has access to this opportunity. And then weighing down the text with parking requirements or any kind of individual hearings would restrict the ability to implement this great idea. It would use up resources of your time, as well as the time of the city departments and staff, um, as well as the public who would have to attend these hearings and uh, give comment on that. The city of Champaign has already invested heavily in on-street parking. I know that parking is another issue, but uh, we've already invested in that by allowing parking on the street. And again, that is making the assumption that anyone who would live in an ADU is gonna own a car, which is not the case in a city full of students and grad students, international students. Um, people who come to this community sometimes don't need a car because we have really great transit. So taking into account the resources that the city has already spent money in, uh, I hope that you would not impose extra requirements for things like parking, especially when 
when we've already put money into uh, building up such a great transit system. So thank you again for considering ADUs, and I hope that you'll make them as easy as possible to build. Thank you so much. Thank you. If there's anyone else who wishes to comment on ADUs, please step forward. Hello, I'm Colin. I'm also a Champaign resident. Um, I'd also like to thank the planning department for doing a great job presenting. I'd like to also speak in favor of ADUs. Um, I also work in the apartment business as the CEO of Royston Brinkmeyer. And uh, one of the things that I think we see a lot is kind of the mental health component to housing and how important it is to create more housing that doesn't require that you're living on an island uh, that requires a completely separate residence, possibly away from the urban area and requiring a car to live there. Um, more often than not, we, we kind of started to look at housing as a safety net. And I think, I think the planning department mentioned how younger people often have student loan debt and other things and they're living paycheck to paycheck. And that safety net is very weak if they're out here on the island. Meanwhile, if you, if you uh, legalize ADUs, you're more likely to create empathy amongst all these different groups of people, and you're, you're going to strengthen the safety net, even if you're just living somewhere closer to transportation or closer to employment, where maybe somebody can help water the plant or feed the cat or you walk to work, you know, your, your safety net is much stronger in that, in that uh, reality. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hello, I'm uh, Jared Fritz. I'm a Champaign resident. Um, I'll first speak as just a, a, a resident of Champaign generally and share that I, I think this uh, approving ADUs really fits council's most recent goals of expanding economic opportunity uh, and supporting incremental development by evaluating and updating city codes and policies that eliminate barriers to affordable housing, uh, sustainable and neighborhood scale reinvestment. So in my opinion, this is a fairly simple and straightforward small step that we can take to the, that end of those goals. Um, I think it's been a year to the day since council directed staff to begin implementation of proposed near-term strategies uh, for incremental development outlined in that report. Uh, and second, the community supports this pretty overwhelmingly as per the results of that survey that was shared by Mr. Kowalski, I believe. Um, so that was encouraging for me to see as a, a proponent of ADUs generally, uh, but then also as um, a member of the Champaign Zoning Board of Appeals, um, some thoughts kind of from that side of that perspective, I guess. Um, I, I would recommend avoiding being overly zealous in restrictions on the design and implementation and construction of ADUs for a number of reasons. We see a lot of very reasonable appeal requests come before our board, and right now these are typically about primary structures, but we have seen some for accessory structures like sheds or the like uh, recently. A lot of times these are folks that are on lots that are small or are oddly shaped and do not very practically uh, fit kind of the code that we've come to understand as our main zoning code. And I could see that increasing as we, if we were to approve ADUs, um, seeing more appeals or permit requests or different things come to city staff. And in my experience, that can be a very time-consuming process for staff, staff specifically, but also for our board. And you know, things go to planning committee and things come before you. And um, I think the more flexibility we can provide in the construction and the implementation of the ADUs, the better for residents and for staff time as well, just because there's a lot of 
nitty-gritty details that need to be followed up on any step of that process. So the more flexible we can make those, I think, the better. Uh, one thing that you can think of as you get further into this process is we do have different uh, setback and different zoning requirements for um, accessory units currently like sheds than we do for primary residents. So you could consider making an ADU closer to that of a shed or a unit like that for the purposes of providing that flexibility and you know making this more broadly work for lots that are unique in different ways. Um, and I second a lot of the comments that were shared before me by staff and other residents, but a lot of the limitations that other communities have put on ADUs, I, I think will kind of contradict all the, the, the things that I'm saying before this and can, could, could cause some problems on the uh, appeal or on the just practicality of implementing ADUs. Um, so theoretically, you could approve something that's just, say, make it smaller than the primary dwelling and make sure you're following the zoning regulations of accessory units. That's like something you could consider. And uh, just in terms of framing, I think um, there would be good reasons to say, you know, follow the typical primary residence and we want to add X, Y, Z and add these 10 different bullets. But I think every kind of one of those boxes that you put on that people have to check is just going to make it less practical uh, and less equitable for people to use ADUs. So I think the more flexible you can make them, in my opinion, uh, the better. But looking forward to hearing you discuss more. And I'm very excited about this possibility. So thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to discuss ADUs? Hi, my name is Nicholas Dale. I'm a Champaign resident. Uh, my only concern with the ADUs is um, will they be able to uh, withstand tornadoes? Uh, will we include some type of uh, building structure? I don't know about Santa Cruz, California, but I do know that tornadoes are uh, a concern here in Champaign. Uh, that's all I have for you guys to keep in mind. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Please step forward. Please state your name and city of residence. I'm Mike McMillan in Champaign. Can I ask a question or is that not part of the process? Okay. I have, you can ask it. We can't answer it. I will, so. ask a, I will ask a question for you all to ask planning and development. And that is, can somebody build an attached uh, auxiliary dwelling unit and then not use it as such? It just becomes additional living space for the people who build it. It's a way around zoning requirements. So I'm only asking that question to see where it goes. Um, I was talking about this with my wife. We both filled out the survey. And um, I'd like to say that in our opinion, the planning report has a decided focus on ADUs, and you look at the pictures being provided, as being cute little dollhouses. I mean, really, everything we look at in the report tonight is, wow, this is great stuff. It doesn't have to be great stuff unless there's enough rules to say, don't screw up. So. That may have influenced the 80% positivity rate, you know, when you ask the question and you show great little pictures that could influence people's judgment. But I would, I would like to point out that planning and development also says that these, these will be primarily for elderly parents and children coming back from college and all of that. 
But how many people really are saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to invest, uh, you know, $47,000 to build an apartment for my child coming back from college for two or three years? That doesn't necessarily seem a real thing. It could be, but I don't know that it is. The most important thing I'd like to put, point out is that planning and development has said very specifically that developers won't be interested in these ADUs. This is not a thing they'll do because it's too small, no one's interested in it. But I'd like to point out that planning and development proposed the development of 50% larger houses on single family lots just several years ago. This is gonna be the new code, please buy into this. They said that. And so um, that failed. But developers were intensely interested in passing that zoning proposal. They wanted the opportunity to build larger houses on single-family lots. They wanted that. And I don't know where the, you know, the, the emphasis comes for doing this now, but I have to ask, what's to stop a developer from pushing the boundaries that we've talked about tonight? Right now in my neighborhood, I can build a house of 2,300 square feet. That's it, that's what's allowed by code, by the current code. I can build a 2,300 square foot house. But you know what, if, if I build just a medium, a medium house, a medium ACU, that's 600 square feet. Still a single bedroom place, 600 square feet. Add it to my 2,300 square foot house and we have almost a 3,000 square foot house. So why couldn't a developer come in and say, you know, that house, that, that existing house, that's gone. Why can't I build a 1,600 square foot house and a 1,400 square foot house on this lot? I haven't heard anything that says, no, 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 no. That's not going to be allowed. If you're allowed 3,000 square feet, how do you define how you build the 3,000 square feet? So anyway, I hope when the rules are being written that people take into account that if there are rules, people are going to try and push them and screw them around to their advantage. And more likely than not, it won't be the person who wants to build an, a, a bedroom for their parents. It'll be the developer who can buy the lot and build what they want to build. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please step forward if you wish to speak about ADUs. Hi, Mary Schultz, live in Champaign. Um, I live in an old section of Champaign where our lots are small. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, I want to let you guys know, just as a side, I'm a huge person in favor of setbacks and side setbacks because my neighbor and I are only eight feet apart at one spot and even where we're 18 feet apart where we have windows when I cat sit for them I can watch their cat from my kitchen and see right into their living room clear as day so you know when Rob was talking about setbacks please 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 always keep setbacks because we need them as much as we can so then my thoughts are, you know, I think this sounds like such a great idea. 
in theory, but it's the in theory part. Um, I just, I understand why people would want this. I get it. But I just feel like it's, it's wonderful for the person who's doing it. I just think we got to think of the neighbors. And I, the impact this has on neighbors, I think, is going to be great. Um, I would say, you know, right now, we don't have a cap on how many people can live in a single-family home. And for years, I lived next door to a family that had three generations living in the same house. And that was only seven people. And I got to tell you guys, I mean, that was tough. The quantity of people, the quantity of cars, and the lack of green space for their kids to play, because they've got an oversized house on the lot. And that's just a single family home with one family living in there. So I'm very concerned with you know, the impact ADUs have on neighbors. Um, we also all know that the quantity of cars that a single family has these days has skyrocketed where all the kids have their own cars. And so what used to be a two car family when I was a kid is now every kid has their own cars. And with ADUs, you know, people would be residing on a lot, and so the number of cars increase. I was going to say we can't depend on families staggering their cars on the street, because I know that from experience. People want to park right in front of their house. And like on my street, when we have people on both sides, our street becomes a one-lane path, and people have to pull into somebody else's driveway to let someone come down the street, or they have to back down the street if there's cars parked on both sides. So I think that's something you guys got to take into consideration. Um, uh, yeah, so increased street parking, you know, narrowing older streets, which mine is, to one lane. Also, I'm very concerned about, like I said, the decrease in green space. Um, I know like with my neighbors having an oversized house, which we're not exactly sure how it got built, but they have no place to throw snow. <laughs> they have no place for their kids to play, so their kids spread out to everyone else. Um, I understand Champaign's desire to be pro-development, but I'm not in favor of this, what you guys called incremental development, because I just don't think we need to make money off everything. I mean, can't our single-family homes be sacred and a cherished place where it's not a profit motive, where it's just where we get to escape. I just thought that, you know, the intent was never that we make money off of our homes, that that becomes an income generator. Um, you know, I know for me, I want to escape business when I go home. Um, if you go ahead with this, which I hope you don't, but if you do, I would say my ask is, you know, please proceed incrementally. Um, you know, I really think, you know, only internal, only attached to begin with, and parking should be necessarily included. I don't know how you'd regulate these two, but I mean, I'm, I'd be all for the relatives only and not for the purposes of generating income. You know, if you want your mom or your kid to live there, I get it. But, you know, I just think it gets out of hand. Um, I just, you know, I think income generation once that becomes a motive for people, they start thinking of themselves and stop thinking of their neighbors. And that's when, you know, my neighborhood disappears because people are thinking of themselves and their income motive. Um, my last thought is, you know, if you guys wanted to try this, maybe you could try it in new neighborhoods. And I don't mean that as a not-in-my-backyard thing. I mean it as a 
then those homeowners would have known that buying in, that they weren't really buying into single-family neighborhood, which we all thought we were. Thanks. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the ADUs? Hi. <clears throat> Hi. Uh, my name is Colin Cisco. Um, I am a local government affairs director with the Illinois Realtors, and I represent the Champaign County Association of Realtors. Um, I just want to thank our presenters tonight and the mayor and city council for bringing up this, uh, the, the ADU discussion. Um, I first want to start off with saying that uh, there's a, actually a bill that's going to be coming up in the spring session for our, our legislative session, the state house, that will get rid of the ban on ADUs. If it passes, then you know, we wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't, no municipality would be able to ban ADUs anymore. And then I don't want to belabor the point, but we know the, all the um, benefits of ADUs with, you know, property owners getting a little bit more money flow coming in, things like that. But I think the biggest point is that this ADUs also bring up more affordable housing, which is something that we desperately need. So, um, again, I just want to say thank you and, yeah. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Uh, my name is Louis Lee. Um, I live in Champaign, the city of Champaign. I recently uh, bought a house, uh, also an older neighborhood uh, on Church Street uh, near Schnucks. I've lived here for about three and a half years now. Uh, one thing I like about Champaign, especially when I first moved here from the West Coast, is that uh, you know ordinary people have a pretty good shot at living here in a decent situation relative to out there. Um, but uh, that's not necessarily fixed in stone. Uh, sometimes to keep it that way, you do have to change something. And uh, just even, I, don't, I only bought my house in March, but, and I don't actually you know, believe this 100%, but according to Zillow, my house value has gone up very sharply. And if it just keeps going like that, you know, eventually ordinary people won't be able to live here. So I think that the ADUs are a very reasonable and small step in the direction of just uh, maintaining the affordability that uh, you know, help, helps our community be a good place to live. And uh, it doesn't even require any taxpayer money, but it still accomplishes this goal. You just have to like kind of let people do things. And there's a, you know, we're, we're not the first place to do this. There's a reason all these other places are doing it. They considered it and they listened to a lot of arguments and they saw that emergency was brewing. I think we have kind of a good opportunity here to get out in front of it. Uh, on a more personal note, I'm interested myself, my parents are older, uh, they're about 70 and uh, they're, not very, they're not very fit. So they're, interest, they're interested in moving to Champaign, and um, I actually would be interested in building one uh, for them. Uh, they could live in my house, but there are just, I won't talk about, there, there would be disadvantages to that. And uh, <laughs> I, love, I love them, but the detached, I liked the detached one they had. Um, I find that, I think the neighbor, in my neighborhood, one of the things I do like about it is that it has a big diversity of different types. You know, on Church Street, you've got some really big, nice old houses, and then you've got medium-sized ones like mine and smaller ones. And um, to me, this just would kind of extend in that direction. It actually would just be in keeping with the neighborhood character. And there are a lot of renters around where I live, and, you know, I don't have, my neighbors are renters. I don't have any, I don't have any problem with them. I've been a renter for almost my entire life. Um, yeah, and I think the ADU designs, I, I was looking at them on the internet, uh, the prefab ones, um, and some of the ones that were stick-built, 
and I think they're all actually very handsome. So I uh, support the ADUs. Thank you. Is there anyone else? All right. Seeing none. Council comment? Anybody? Councilmember Pianfetti. Just wanted to take a moment and uh, thank you for the presentation and for setting the stage uh, for what's to come and for uh, your presentation this evening. As an intern, I think you did a phenomenal job. So thank you um, for your contribution. Um, we've had a lot of um, opinions this evening and I have appreciated that you've included a wide range of thought to this, um, in particular, an understanding that um, while there are many people that are supportive of the ADUs, there may be some that do have some concerns about how they may impact the community. Um, for me, um, the areas that I represent probably have some people that are 100% supportive, and there will be other people that are challenged by the notion of what might this do to my area? So I thank you for the thoughtfulness that you gave and your explanation that if they are under covenants, that nothing that the city does supersedes what's there, because I think that's an important understanding for those that are, are there. Um, for, for myself, I think that um, there are very many positive attributes to the ADUs and for what we need to do to move forward in this community for affordable housing and for establishing a sense of community as we are moving forward to get diversity back into our neighborhoods, um, as we are trying to think about what it means to really have community neighborhoods, which is the main basis and the main framework of incremental development, right? It's to be able to have um, neighborhoods that we um, can walk down the street and there might be a place to shop and eat and and um, you know, buy a cup of coffee and then do a little bit of shopping in. Um, and that comes with different types of housing as well. And being able to not always drive someplace, but actually maybe ride your bicycle or walk someplace. So I, I think um, as we have been talking a lot about what we might want um, Champagne to be looking like in the future, this is a good way to at least um, lay the groundwork. And I really do like the fact that you'll be thinking about height requirements, maximum capacity. Um, I think those are all things that are very critical, the setbacks. I really like what um, uh, Jared, Mr. Fritz, um, said about maybe thinking about do we put them like our um, uh, policies as they relate to sheds, like because if lots are a little bit different, we need to really think about not having a one-size-fits-all. Um, that was very helpful. Um, um, and then also, of course, the, the building codes are something that you'll have to tackle, um, and then we'll be able to be responsive. Also, putting the amendment online, I thought, was um, a really good idea because as a lot of people have varying perspectives, their ability to be um, have information and the transparency that you as a planning department want to give the community, I think, uh, helps bring a lot of trust to this. Um, so thank you for, for being willing to, to put yourself out there like that. Um, it's, a, it's a good thing to model. So thank you so much.
Anyone else? Councilmember Beck. Uh, so, I just I do have two more questions, if that's okay. If you'll entertain my questions. One was in regards to FAR. Um, you you indicated a thirty five percent FAR. Is that correct? Is that yeah. what you were using as the examples? I'm just point, trying to remember. Point three five, which is the maximum allowed in the okay. SF one zoning district. Right, and then um, you didn't mention a maximum. Uh, size, but or would you be? Is that what your consideration is? Is that what you're presenting to us? That the maximum size you would consider would be 800. And that's consistent with what the other communities we've researched. Mm -hmm. um, I think 800 would be a good maximum for mm -hmm. Champaign too. I mean, we have many areas of town where the maximum size of homes are 800, 900 mm -hmm. square feet. So, right. roughly, that seems like a, a good match. But um, that being said, I think. What we also see in the communities is there's sometimes regulation of the maximum size in comparison to the main home. So if your main home is 800 square feet, your accessory dwelling unit can't be 800 square feet, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. We haven't picked a number. I don't have a code ready to go, but um, mm -hmm. I think over 800 square feet, you're getting into something that isn't really accessory, but more of a, you know, a, a home in itself, a mm -hmm. bigger home. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, thank you. That answered my questions. Um, so I, I wanted to just say that I do support having a maximum size if we do, if, even with the FAR, because I think that the maximum size is important. Um, and, I, and I think the 800, you know, as you presented it, seems reasonable, but uh, community input on that would be great. Um, I also uh, think that creating a program that could promote accessory dwelling units within perhaps some specific areas of our community, even if we wanted to do a targeted program, um, might be beneficial uh, so that we can help to, uh, help make those happen for communities that might want to have them or members of the community that might want to have them but aren't sure how to make it happen or don't have the proper financing, if we can help that to, to, um, to happen for them, I think that would be good. Uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about in this was the impact, the environmental impact that we're concerned about as a, as a, as a global entity, right? As the world, <laughs> global impact of um, what our environmental impact is. And this certainly, I think, does address environmental impact, accessory dwelling units and density of housing is an important thing. And it wasn't that long ago in Champaign that we actually were talking about that a lot. We were talking about sprawl and the creation of so many different communities that are outside of the core of Champaign. But we sort of forgot about that. And um, I think that in order to maintain walkability, maintain bikeability, maintain um, even to help us maintain what is an older infrastructure in order to make that infrastructure improve, we need to continue to develop the inner core of our community. And I really do believe that accessory dwelling units can be um, an important piece of that. So I do support it, um, but I think that we have absolutely have to be um, cognizant of concerns of current uh, community members and what the impacts of um, accessory dwelling units might be on neighbors, being very cons uh, very considerate of things like setbacks, um, making sure that we are attentive to uh, how the built, um, the, the new built uh, unit is going to impact um, 
just the built environment of a neighborhood in general, I think is an important element that we need to continue to look at and continue to take consideration for, but not so heavily that we do, we don't um, allow for some flexibility for people to be able to build these. Um, then, then lastly, the thing that I wanted to say about ADUs is that while I think that it provides a, a good element of affordability and an opportunity for us to create other kinds of housing opportunities for our community, one of the biggest concerns that I would have is that these units could potentially just end up being Airbnbs, right? And, um, and that, I think, needs to be uh, considered and regulated within the context of our zoning. Um, because if they don't fulfill what we dreamt them to be, which is an actual affordable housing opportunity for our community, and they end up being Airbnbs, which is perhaps in revenue generation for someone, but um, in the end of the day, creates problems for the neighbors that we didn't anticipate, nor did we want to actually be the issue. Uh, we will have failed at what we were actually trying to accomplish with ADUs. So um, that's a provision that I think we need to consider moving forward. Um, and then finally, the, the last thing is uh, around the same sort of issue, which is um, I don't think it's a far-fetched idea to consider that these need to be owner-occupied, that, um, that I'm not looking to have these be built onto rental, current rental properties. So we have a rental property that then has an, an ADU built onto it or built onto the existing property. I would like these to be owner-occupied so that it's an owner with an ADU built on the property. Um, that can be changed in the future, certainly, but I think that that would go a long way to address some of the very real concerns that some of the neighbors have. And um, I think that that's a compromise that we can, come, we can come together to say, okay, so how can we address some of the concerns that people have? How can we make sure that we're being cognizant of what their concerns are? We can compromise on that and we can say, let's do owner-occupied and see how it goes. And then if it's wonderful and everybody thinks it's wonderful, there's always the opportunity to expand that. So those are my comments and I appreciate this very much. I think one of the misconceptions about incremental development is that it is pro-development and what I consider it to be is pro-neighborhood because I live in a neighborhood that is adjacent to a neighborhood that is very much an incremental neighborhood. Um, so if, you, if you're going down State and Randolph Street, those are very high traffic streets. Adjacent to that, of course, is Neal Street, which is very much a um, corridor for commerce. But abutting all of that commerce are homes, single-family homes, multifamily homes, apartment buildings, all kinds of different dwelling units that exist within that neighborhood. But what I see happening is that that neighborhood, if you look at Neal, to State and Kirby to, say, Springfield, that that neighborhood is in peril because there's the opportunity for developers to come in and take properties and create a neighborhood that is not incremental, that is not 
using, that is not creating a buffer between the single family neighborhood, which really is not just a single family neighborhood, by the way. My neighborhood is very diverse in its housing. Um, and then we're abutting uh, very much a, a commercial area without any buffer in between. So incremental development allows us to create that buffer in between um, and also allows us to create um, better development for things like multifamily dwellings and commercial units that promote local economy rather than big box economy and things like that. So I'm excited about the opportunity for incremental, incremental development and um, I think the ADUs are a nice uh, beginning to that. Anyone else? Councilman Reniga. <clears throat> Thank you for the presentation. Uh, I think uh, uh, we'll move forward with um, voting to prepare the amendments for um, the ADUs, but uh, my final vote will depend on um, the details. The devil's always in the details. Um, you know, I, in theory, all this stuff sounds great, and I know that people want to have, you know, these quaint neighborhoods. Um, but again, it's always in theory, as somebody mentioned earlier, we have to consider the people, as somebody mentioned earlier, that moved into these neighborhoods wanting the single family uh, homes. Um, and then we're, you know, kind of changing it on them. So uh, we can, I will vote yes to move forward. But again, my final vote will depend on what kind of regulations, what kind of uh, oversight is going to be done on these because that, I don't think that people necessarily are against it, but I, I think all the details are going to be have to be hashed out. So that's my comment. Anyone else? Councilmember Gladney. So thank you again for your presentation. And uh, thanks to the folks who came out tonight and spoke, um, both in favor of it and, and with concerns. Um, I happen to be in favor of this. Um, and I'll talk about why that is. But also, I'll temper that and say, I'm not super excited, and I've been trying to figure out why am I not super excited about it. Um, I, I think I'm just cautious, um, um, because I do feel like, you know, you, 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 look, you look toward this as being one thing, but could there be, you know, unforeseen consequences, or, or could people take this and do something we didn't foresee? Um, and maybe, I don't know. Um, if you're looking for any kind of guidance from us about, aside from just a yes or a no, uh, I do think that things like, you know, the, the floor area ratio, lot coverage, the setbacks, the, the size and height, the maximum occupancy, I think all that's going to be important. And I think we need to, you know, be very careful with, with how that gets developed, those rules get developed. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, and this is probably going to start, I, most things we do tend to be pilot programs, we call them, but I mean, if this is going to be, I would start this as technically under the umbrella of a pilot program, um, if that's possible. And I would actually start small, because I know you were, just, you were talking about how, you know, well, we probably wouldn't suggest doing anything over 800 square feet, and I get that. But if that's going to be what we kind of maybe have come to a consensus as a maximum, I would say start smaller than that then. I mean, 600 square feet, I don't know. Um, and then see, just kind of see how it goes. I mean, if, if, if there ends up over a period of a year or two, people you know, are 
there's more of a demand for something bigger, I think it would be better to look at, okay, why is that? What's the, what are people wanting from this? Because, you know, quite honestly, if this is just going to be, you know, an in-law, you know, suite or a detached, you know, place for a kid to live that's come back from school or whatever, whatever these, these situations are, um, I mean, how much space is actually needed here? I mean, you can actually do a lot with small square footage. Um, so that's just an idea I had. Start smaller. And then, you know, we can reassess after a while. Um, I do something you mentioned I think I, I, will, I will echo approval of, which is maybe looking at a comparative or coordinated size between, like, the main dwelling and then the ADU. You know, they shouldn't be able to be equivalent size. Uh, the ADU should always be smaller. Um, so those are just some, you know, concerns I have. I, you know, something else, too, I think we probably, I, and again, I may be short-sighted here, but I feel like we need to be honest about is, uh, at least at first, I think it's just going to be people who have a certain level of income or, or uh, that are going to be able to do this. And I know, like, I think it was in our packet, one of the pros that was listed for this was, and I think I quote, a needed supplemental income that this could provide. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if, if this passes and people that are able to, to build an ADU, if you're able to build an ADU, either because you have the cash lying around or you have home equity or whatever, or the, you're not going to need, you don't need supplemental income if you're at that stage. Um, so I'm not saying that you can, this wouldn't be supplemental income, but it's, is it needed supplemental income? I, I don't think so. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, you know, I feel like for a while anyway, this would be something that only people of a certain uh, wealth level could afford to do. Um, I think that down the road is where this would be uh, particularly useful for affordable housing then. Um, because I think that's what we see with, you know, it's weird. this is not reinventing the wheel. We have ADUs right now from grandfathered in from when they were legal. And I think those older ADU structures are what uh, provides right now some, some affordable housing. You know, I'll, I'll bore people again with my own personal story that I've set up here before and then people personally. I lived in an ADU um, for five and a half years when I was younger. Um, it was the first home I lived in after moving out from my parents' place. And I honestly don't think I could have afforded to move out if it wasn't an ADU because um, I had a, a decent landlord and uh, it was not the primary dwelling. They got the bulk of their money from the primary dwelling and I got to pay, a, even back in the 90s, a very modest rent. Um, so, you know, if people use these structures, particularly once they start to age, because... When the structures age, they become less desirable, right? Um, at least in, in, in the sense of, you know, newer constructions tend to be higher cost and demand a higher rent. So in that scenario, yeah, I think this would be, start to really be quite an enticing affordable housing option. That's kind of what I see this. That's like, that gets me more excited as, uh, as we look down the road to what these... Um, um, could become. Um, so, you know, earlier I talked about the things that, you know, and this is all in our packet and stuff, but the, and you mentioned it in the presentation tonight, but all the things we should look at 
as far as you know, when we set up the rules for this. That said, it's going to be a fine balance to walk a fine line because you don't want these just to have no rules, obviously, but you don't want these to be so cost prohibitive or prohibitive in general that people can't do them or won't do them. You know, um, so, yeah, I, I want these to happen. Uh, I want these to be a success. Um, but I, I, also want, I also want to make sure that we try and foresee as much as we can any potential issues that could arise from them, which I'm not saying that you haven't, but I just, uh, you know, that's, those are my thoughts. Thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember Beck. Just one last thought, and this you know goes along with what Councilmember Gladney was just talking about. One of the things that I think that you know we have heard consistently from community members who are in favor of these is the affordability aspect, and I think that um, we, as a council, as a city, we can, what we can do is to actually um, promote the affordability of these units and. If there's a way to incentivize the affordability of them, um, I think that would be beneficial. Uh, so whether that is through ta taxation or lack of taxation, or whether that's through some sort of cash uh, assistance, um, or whatever that might look like, if we can help to promote the affordability of these, the creation of these units, I think that that actually, not just the creation, but then the actual rental of them, to provide a lower rental opportunity for our occupants, I think that that does help to achieve what we ultimately are trying to do here. Anyone else? Thank you for your presentation. Um, I, I can't remember the um, example you gave, Rob, when you said it's sort of like we did something else. I had in my head chickens, um, which probably isn't exactly the same, but we sort of over-regulated that. We were, we were so worried about chickens in people's backyards, and they had to come in and get a chicken permit and, and do all of these things, that, and it turned out that nobody in the neighborhoods really cared, and eventually we just let that go, and they're allowed by right, unless you have a covenant that prevents it. I'm not saying that ADUs are the same thing, but I, but I think some of what I'm hearing from council is this sense of we wanna start out a little bit more protective. We want to make sure we have some regulations in place that protect neighbors against you know, all of the sort of horribles that could happen. And as we ease into this, we can lessen the regulation um, as the community gets more comfortable and the neighborhoods get more comfortable. And what I'm hoping we find, because I think they're a great idea, is that, boy, we really over-regulated that. We didn't, we didn't need any of that, and it's working really well, and, and we can kind of move on from there. Um, so hopefully um, we can find that balance in this first set of regulations and we're not so restrictive that they don't even occur, um, but we, we are protecting um, the investment that people have already made in their neighborhoods. Um, I 
I think I could be convinced on the no Airbnb issue, at least again in the beginning as we're figuring out what works in a neighborhood or what doesn't. But I do think there are, are two pieces to this. And one piece is the affordable housing piece, which is incredibly important. The other piece is an income opportunity for the owner. Um, and I think I disagree slightly with some of my council members in that I think it's possible to get a loan or be able to afford to build, but but still be reliant on rental income, either you know at the point where you're building or perhaps planning for that as part of your retirement income. Um, and so I I do think we have to recognize that that owning owning a, a potential rental property could be something that allows a family to stay in their housing longer um, because it provides some income for them. It may also mean that it's reversed really, that the, the older dwelling or the older person lives in the main dwelling, but they have the benefit of having a tenant in that smaller um, ADU that kind of checks on them and is there and is, is is a you know is there for them as well it doesn't necessarily have to be that the older person is living in the adu um so i think there are lots of possibilities and i i i think that they're all um exciting and i'm glad that we're moving forward with it um whether or not the house needs to be owner occupied in order for the adu to occur is something that I think again I'd want more information on. I, you know, I, I guess I'd like to know the the benefits long term for that. What is happening more? Um, I just didn't focus on it with respect to the other cities that are already um, already have ADUs and whether you know that's a detriment or a benefit. Um, as for a pilot program, for me, um, I I guess I. Um, I'm not opposed to that idea, but I also wonder how that works. If you're going to invest and put an ADU in, and then the pilot program ends because we decide it doesn't work well, you have a non-conforming use then. And so then if anything happens to that ADU, you can't rebuild. Um, and so I don't imagine that a lot of people would be really anxious to build an ADU under a pilot program unless we sort of grandfathered them all. I, I, I don't know what we would do there, but I think we'd have to be very creative if we're gonna treat it as a pilot program. Um, and then the size thing, I agree with my colleagues that um, scaling the size to the size of the house makes some sense. I don't have strong feelings about, you know, what the ultimate top size should be, although I, I think that 800 square feet range make, makes sense. That seems like a large ADU to me. So beyond that, it, it seems very large, but you know, the scale of what should be lower, I don't have strong feelings about. Um, and I would rely on planning suggestion moving forward that the FARs and the setbacks, as I understood them as you presented them, the FAR 
would apply both to the the combined total of the house and the ADU. So you don't get an extra 800 square feet by having an ADU. Am I correct about that? It depends on how we craft the regulations. Okay. The example I gave is exactly right. But you know, if we if we wanted to allow um, encroachment into that floor area ratio for an ADU, that is possible. And if we did that, we could specifically designate it for an ADU right. and disallow it from being part of a main structure. Is That's that correct? Option. Yeah. Okay. So I would support whichever way we do it, that it not add to the total FAR for the main main structure. Um, although. At one point, I thought we talked about revising things and getting rid of FAR, but that's probably for another day. Um, and then the final thing that, <laughs> that I would say um, is that uh, I would encourage neighborhoods that have covenants that disallow ADUs to consider changing your covenants. And while you're doing that, just so that you are aware, um, the state legislature actually uh, updated the law um, within this last session that allows um, neighborhoods or uh, homeowners associations to go in, and even in areas without an HOA, to go in and revise and strike the sections of your covenants that um, violate the Constitution because they prohibit black and brown people from living in your neighborhood. And although um, it's very common for, like, um, everybody understands that that's unenforceable, um, you can now actually re-record your covenants and have that language stricken. Um, and so I would encourage people to look into that because it's a brand new option that is available out there. So maybe while you're revising your covenants to allow for ADUs, you can revise your covenants to make them comply with the law. And with that, we have a study session poll that is direct staff to prepare amendments to the Champaign Zoning Ordinance and Building Code to allow accessory dwelling units incorporating input from council at the study session. Councilman Reniguez. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you. We are now at the point of our meeting for general audience participation. If anyone wishes to address the council on uh, general issues, please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. I don't see anybody, uh, any council comments. I would just remind everybody that the Parade of Lights is Saturday. Uh, council, there is a city float, and I think you have an email with all the information. Need a motion to adjourn. Madam Mayor, I move we adjourn. I second that. We don't meet next week, just to let people know. We are not meeting next week. I didn't ask you if you had any comments. Yeah, that, that would have been my only comment. There is not a city council meeting on November 30th. Our next meeting will be the first Tuesday in December. All right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. We are adjourned. <laughs>